right, here we go. 56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the midfield goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Deep strike. Got the big man. with a short drop, now he pulls it out further to the left and he's gonna strike downfield. Oh my, what a catch by Fitzgerald. He's, oh mercy, he's done it again. The man is remarkable. There is pandemonium in Piscataway. Well, he has trouble with the snap and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. listening to the Noon on Saturday podcast, college football, as it was meant to be. Welcome to the Noon on Saturday show. I'm Ben Bobek. For Steve Brown and Alex Bandjarevic. Gentlemen, another fun football Saturday. We had a major upset on our hands, shook up the playoff. Um, and a ton of fun across the board, plus another pit win. Thoughts on this weekend? Well, my first thought is that was a fantastic introduction. Thank you. Yeah. Ready to go. go. Way to go. Thank you. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma losing massive, massive for. Uh, the other playoff hopefuls out there, which I I guess there's about three or four of them. I mean, there's not many playoff, but that opened the door for a couple of teams with uh, Oklahoma going down. Cincinnati fans have SMU this week, and then Houston the The two best teams on their schedule besides Notre Dame, basically. And then a championship game, right? Which would likely be between SMU or Houston. So, I mean, this week they're an 11.5-point favorite. The following week, I would assume they would be a little bit smaller than that of a favorite. So we're looking at three games where they're going to be, you know, inside of a two-touchdown favorite. Right. So 11 and a half is a lot. SMU has looked like shit lately. Yeah. So the, I, I do want to touch. I don't have a pick in the SMU game, but I did talk about it a little bit. Um, but first of all, I thought when you were talking about an upset, Steve, slash Ben, whoever you are, I thought you were referring to Purdue getting walloped by Ohio State by 28 points. Uh, <laughs> the upset. 
But then again, I guess Ohio State was ranked fourth, so um, impactful, you know. Super weapon not activated, as some in the pit community would say. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this today. How much Purdue has kind of grown and, and, and ebbed throughout the season. I mean, keep in mind, the first few weeks of the season, Purdue was a team where you you could confidently say, yeah, well, their offense is borderline incompetent. They can't move the ball down the field much at all. All of a sudden, Bell comes on the scene really, you know, as soon as Big Ten play really gets going and and, and takes off. So um, I, you can't New be – quarterback sp- as well. O'Connell, it was Jack Plummer early in the season for them. Right, right. Good call, good call. Turning it over to O'Connell was big for them. Right. Um, but at, that being said, Ohio State – um, they they have had times where where they have been tested, but at the at the very least, if 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 you're not prepared for all the wide receivers that they have, then then you're gonna go into the horseshoe and you're gonna lose big, and that's what happened. Jack Plummer is not related to Jake Plummer, is he? I would say no, but he could be. That was just my first thought when you said the word Jack Plummer. Jake the Snake. That, that's that's my analysis of the uh, Purdue quarterback switch. Uh, the, but the, the point I was making before about SMU is they can score. Tanner Mordecai is a great quarterback. That offense is great. That's what you know Sonny Dykes does best. Uh, their defense is terrible, but Cincinnati's defense is going to be tested and it hasn't been bad the last few weeks. It just hasn't been anything locked down or anything to the level of what we saw them achieve uh, last season defensively down the stretch here. Hey, all the Cincinnati fans can stop bitching though, because they're at number five in the uh, ranking. So I think that's about right for them. They're at number five. Oregon's at number three. They are three-point underdogs at uh, Utah this week. Michigan State plays Ohio State, so whichever one of those teams wins probably moves ahead of Oregon regardless of the Oregon result, right? What happens if Ohio State, who's ranked higher, loses and, uh, and Oregon loses? Does the winner, I guess Michigan State in that instance, go to back to three? And Cincinnati go to four? Yes, but Ohio State ain't losing. Right. So Ohio State's going to move up to three, and then Cincinnati's going to go to four? If, if I mean, Oregon. assuming Oregon loses, which I, I have a pick in that game. Um, we nice can get to that later. But, I, yeah, I think that's a stinky line if there ever was one. Right. I Sorry, I was just looking up. They are not related. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to bring back the plumber uh, conversation, but yeah, Cincinnati I think holds their own destiny. I think, I mean, obviously, I think worst case scenario for Cincinnati is um, is Georgia losing to Bama in the uh, SEC championship. But Absolutely. other than that, uh, they control their own destiny, and Oregon does as well. Um, but I, I think Cincinnati has. 
yeah, more on their plate because I don't think the committee is that impressed with with the resume. And 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 I guess if you want to compare resumes, which they often do, um, it's not impressive. Their best one being Notre Dame, uh, which I don't think a lot of folks are are sold on Notre Dame's quality as much as they have been in the years past. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, especially in the coming weeks here. I mean, the fact that we're going to be able to watch Michigan and Ohio State duel it out, have Cincinnati kind of shake it out. You have to assume Oregon and Utah will more than likely play each other twice. Um, There's a lot of great conference games going on to conclude the season um, and and probably heading into the championships as well. There's there's a lot of meaningful football still to be played absolutely um you mentioned head-to-head matchups and kind of what's your take on the kind of most i don't want to say hypocritical but the two head-to-head matchups in the top six of the rankings of the college football playoff rankings seem to be being interpreted very differently because you have oregon over ohio state when ohio state is the better team by most metrics, uh, looks better on the field, and besides that loss to Oregon, looks better on paper. And then you have Michigan versus Michigan State, where the committee comes out and says, if the metrics, we think Michigan's the better team. They led for most of the game against Michigan State and then still lost and are therefore ranked ahead of Michigan State. It just doesn't really – like, I understand, I guess – where they're coming from, but I don't understand how those two are presented at the same time. They do feel so different as interpretations of the same, which again, overall, as I talked about on my good friend, Spencer Catalano's podcast, Cats Out of the Bag, which you should definitely check out. uh, It's perfectly encapsulating of the hypocrisy that is the college football playoff committee. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like that Michigan-Michigan State game, it was in East Lansing. It was a very wacky game. Uh, game easily could have went either way. A lot of people would argue that Michigan kind of got screwed in that game on multiple occasions. Um, and, and then Michigan State, they they have the worst loss, you know? Like, losing to Purdue is, yes, you lost a head-to-head matchup, but that game was a coin flip, could have gone either way, and then you lose to Purdue. It does make sense to me. Yeah, I I, I get it. Um, but I also do agree with hypocrisy in, in a way. Um, I think I it, it's, it's too arbitrary, arbitrary for me to kind of take a stance because it's going to get played out in the next 14 days here. Well, the next week or so, two weeks. So I, I, I can't get that upset about it. I think it, it, like I said, I think they're just trying to drive home an argument for for a twelve team playoff by kind of being so inconsistent. And in, and in, in, you know, one week this matters compared to another week. It, it it really is an interesting way to to you know have them rationalize their the rankings. And I don't think it really makes sense half the time, but. You kind of just, you know, I, it'll. I you have confidence that it'll play out by Michigan by, State. Michigan State gets its chance on Saturday. So absolutely, they, absolutely. they win that game, and they're probably going to be number three. Right. 
Right. So, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, like kind of what you're saying, it doesn't really matter. But it is interesting that there's just a group of random people that their biases and criterias specifically is going to determine like who makes the playoff. You know, the BCS didn't make any sense with computers and people hated that. But this I don't know if there is a perfect answer because this sure doesn't seem, you know, right. Right. And 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 will and will twelve you know twelve teams solve everything? They're gonna alleviate the pressure at the top four, which I think at the end of the day is the right move. But there's gonna be complaining about who's at top the ten ten through twelve teams. So I mean, this is always gonna happen. It's a function of reverting to this kind of committee. Um, it is what it is. The game is always evolving. Valid points. Um, anything, anything you guys want to get to? Yeah, the coaching carousel before we uh, get a little bit more into into this week's games. I, uh, I kind of feel like the Fuente firing. You know, the writing has been on the wall for a while with that one. So yeah. that certainly I, didn't surprise me whatsoever. To touch briefly on that, I think the thing that surprised me the most was how disengaged he was. And especially it showed while he left, he like, I mean, obviously he was offered uh, a chance to stay uh, to the end of the season. He chose not to, um, he left like a bag of all of his Virginia tech stuff for anybody to take at the, at the facility. Um, and then a lot has come out from former players that, you know, I don't think he was ever really a, a, a great coach. And just to see, yeah, it, it was just confusing to me. His his whole departure, his tenure, um, I'm happy as I can be for Virginia Tech. Um, but, yeah, the, such, a, such a weird era of, of Virginia Tech football that has come to an end. It's absolutely wild to analyze Virginia Tech as a program because, you know, there were there's a lot of chatter on college football Twitter this week about how a lot of programs have an inflated sense of like what they can really be, and there might not be a better example of that than Virginia Tech because I I feel like if you talk to a Virginia Tech fan, they think that they should be in the ACC championship game every single year, and anything else is probably coming up short. But in reality, is it really going to be easy to win at Virginia Tech in a coastal that has a lot of good coaches? And, you know, you're battling with a lot of programs for, for players in that area. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be easy. It, I, I will how, do, how do I put this nicely? Virginia Tech is very reminiscent to me of the Nebraska of the East. Right. Better recruiting base than Nebraska. Yeah, and and I think that's the point. I think if uh, you know the Tidewater and and and, and you know the DMV are two talent rich areas, and there's no reason that that Virginia Tech should be um, pulling some of the top guys um, um, from those areas. So I think if you're a Virginia Tech fan, you see that and and you see where they lack uh, in recruiting that area, and believe that could be a difference. But at the same time, you're right. Um, 
you know, some of the some of the other schools in the ACC, UNC, even Pitt have have gone into these areas and started to pull guys. The the competition is growing, even in the Big Ten. You know, Penn State, Ohio State. So it, it's it's a different. You know, I think they were good in in an era where regional recruiting mattered a, a ton more, and you were more than likely going to pull the guys from your area when you had a program such as you did. But it's changed now, and, and unfortunately, Fuente puts them way behind on on, on that on the eight ball there because I mean people are, are are already taking over the tidewater. I don't I don't know if it's completely fair to say it was just a different era. I mean, it also is about the coach. Like they had right. Frank Beamer, they had a legendary coach, and I, I think it says more so about the fact that uh, you just got to have the right guy in there. And if I'm a Virginia Tech fan, you know you haven't won the Coastal, you never won an ACC title in Fuente, and you haven't won the Coastal since 2016. So I, I feel like a lot of Virginia Tech fans probably wouldn't have been mad if they fired him after 2019. You know, so he feels he like really... feels like they've been calling for his head for a while. Now. And he started out at, at Virginia Tech. He started out seven and six, ten and four, nine and four. So, you know, the guy, the guy is the guy has you know gotten worse as he's gone on. Who, who was the other? Who was the other big name firing? I I, I cannot. Jimmy Lake. Yeah, yeah, Washington. That guy is another. He seems like he, he's been that... fired since the first week of the season. Not losing the mission. Especially, yeah. Um that 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 to me I think is an interesting one. That definitely plays into the sort of you know, just how much of a crapshoot these coaching hires was. Because that was one that I think was pretty obvious. You know, Chris Peterson, early retirement, just go with his trusted defensive coordinator. Sure. Not gonna have any problems there, right? You're not gonna have to have another coaching search less than two years from now. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it. Yeah, for, and and I think the 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 part about that was you know Peterson left in, in a surprising manner and and but not you know not to fear his guy Jimmy Lake. He he trusts the program in Jimmy Lake and, and and he's going to pick up where Peterson left off, and very clearly did not happen. And not only that, not so fast. There's a whole host of issues that that he caused in his short tenure. So that was honestly one of the more disastrous tenures that I think we've seen in recent history. Um, it's okay, because they've got that academic prowess. Beautiful well, campus, beautiful campus, beautiful stadium. Definitely, I definitely want to get up there sometime. Uh, yeah, Washington is one of those schools that I feel like has a, they have a very high like they have a top ten ceiling in in college football. Absolutely, they, they made the playoff. Yeah, and, and they've when they've had some they, they've been able to get some very good quarterbacks in there, and you know, they've won a lot of games. So I'm very I'll be very interested. Who to is see who they so hired. It, was, it was Jake Locker. They had somebody Browning. else. Yeah, Jake Browning. They, Browning was the QB who took them to the playoffs. And they have, I know, but they had Locker too, right? Wasn't he in that Cam oh, yeah. Newton class? Yeah, that draft class. Yeah, I mean Browning, right? Browning was the one that took them to to the playoff, but Locker uh, was like supposedly he was in. I'm pretty sure he was in that Blaine Gabbert, Cam Newton class 
everybody was like, oh, it's the deepest quarterback class of all time because he was one of the like, um, he was they was their quarterback oh nine oh ten yeah. Then they had uh, Keith Price. He was average, but then they turned it over to Browning. He was there forever. He played four seasons, and then they had Eason there for one year. Oh, yeah, as well. I, forgot, I forgot about Eason. And, and, oh. and, I mean, and what Sam Hewitt? He's he's the uh, he's supposed to be the future, and supposedly he's a solid quarterback. Just isn't there yet. So that's why they stuck with Dylan Morris. But um, so they, there's a potential another great quarterback there and and like you said they do have a very high ceiling up there so if they hire the right coach you know put put Oregon on watch because they'll be contending with them year in year out so, so Sam Heward had like that's Brock Heward's son I would uh, nephew nephew I was nephew yes I think it's his nephew oh, okay I, I just I got it on Wikipedia his dad Brock Heward's brother also played in the NFL Right, that's his dad. Right. Um. So yeah, I yeah. So two two firings at programs, while they're not LSU and USC, are still programs with a lot of potential, of high ceilings. And honestly, I I can't remember now. My memory is not. You know, I I can't say that I I will would remember, but I don't remember this many good coaching jobs being available. Um, in one in one season, so I think this off season will be as entertaining as this season has been. I I feel like that has to be that has to do a lot with the fact that after a weird COVID year, a lot like Washington's not going to fire Jimmy Lake after a weird COVID year, right? But you know, full season back to normal, boom, we got we got a ton of money. Like let's pay now. I'm just glad because it's more jobs for James Franklin to be rumored to. <laughs> that guy not be more on his way out. I just love to see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't know what the the atmosphere is like in in, in the in the locker room of, of Penn State football, but his, his interviews have been wild, and <laughs> the team has obviously performed below expectations. So. <laughs> You have to assume he's going somewhere. And as Pitt fans, we've said it for years that obviously Penn State has an amazing program. They have so many things that could set them up to be legitimate national championship contenders. But the fact that they have to play Ohio State every year, and Michigan and Michigan State too, like that's a couple of good programs. But the fact that you have to beat Ohio State every year if you want to win your conference – that just makes that a extremely tough job with Ohio State being one of the, you know, three or four Goliaths in college football. That makes right. it really hard. If I'm, if I'm him, Pitt fans have been saying it. If that, if I were him, I'd be looking somewhere where it's a little easier to win, like USC. Yep. I'm gonna. This thought just came to me, and I just want to put it out there. Um, Bill O'Brien reunion? Question mark. No, they wouldn't. I don't think Penn State fans would be happy with that. No, yeah. I, I think you're going to look – you're going to – you know, if you're Penn State, you can look a little bit high. I mean, Bill O'Brien was good at Penn State, but that was just a completely unique situation. Right, right. Plus, I, I don't – like, you, you got good the point. feeling that O'Brien was, was never really, you know. The, I feel like the more realistic NFL coach 
to go up to Penn State could be Matt Rule. Absolutely. I mean, if like, it, yeah. if, if there's if an NFL coach, really that's, that's, that's it. If things go really downhill in Carolina, I mean, I, I think Matt Rule will be safe in Carolina no matter what. But say they lose out and he gets fired, I would be very nervous as a Pitt fan that that would be a dream connection. Yeah, I've got I've got one more, Jeff Halfley. Ooh, uh, mm, mm. that's an interesting name. My only question is, would he be willing to jump ship? It's been two years. I think the for... AD the AD that hired him is at UCLA. At Boston College. Okay. Yeah, I, I, with college football coaching carousel, there is literally nothing would surprise me. I was think so. I was thinking about Halfley, um, more for a, a potential Michigan State opening. If Tucker Which doesn't look down, like it's going to happen, well, yeah. Well, if, after... if Tucker if Tucker turns down the extension or takes the extension just so Michigan State can cash in on the buyout. Right. Yeah, obviously we've seen that extensions mean nothing. But I don't know. I just if I mean I'm, LSU you, in the words of in the wise words of my father, LSU is going to back the Brinks truck up. Right. I think so. As they should, which it's apparently it's not going to be for Lincoln Riley, so I don't know who the hell they're going to hire. Aranda. Yeah, yeah. If you're a Baylor fan, you definitely have to be. But yeah. that's another one where it's like, are you really gonna jump ship after this is one? This is the second year. Yeah. Right. If you have an he opportunity, left, he left the after, the, job. after the Natty. Yeah. I, um, I guess with how well Baylor has played this year, you have to be happy with it. But I don't, I don't know about Dave Aranda. You know, everyone talks about how the last he doesn't he, that Alice, he doesn't feel like an LSU guy. Right. Like I, I, everyone talks about how the last three LSU coaches have won natties there. I, I really don't think Dave Aranda wins a natty at LSU. I, like he's a great coach. He seems like a great guy. He just doesn't seem like he's got. I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. He just doesn't seem like he's got the 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 want to be the head football coach of LSU. That being said, the last guy had more want to be the LSU head coach than anyone yeah. in the world, and he just and, and, yeah. And well, well except I, for I that one goddamn perfect year, Joe Brady and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow won him, and and, and Dave Aranda. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Last last coaching carousel thought, and this is one hundred percent a joke. Uh, did you see that? Uh, oh, I already forgot his name. Shapiro, the Miami no. guy. Yeah. Said, uh, Nevin Shapiro said Lane Kiffin is their number one target. I, I can't, like, I saw the headline that Nevin Shapiro said something. And I, I said that cannot be who I think it is. No, is it's it, 100% who you think how, it is. How, how, who is trusting Nevin Shapiro? Hey, I don't know what it says about my brain, but I saw that and instantly believed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, instantly it makes, it makes it and like sense. it makes a lot of sense. A lot. Nevin of Shapiro, Miami football, Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Yep. Checks He's, out. Hundred percent. Is that not? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that not a lateral move? 
No, I think yeah, it I mean, is. But I I think here's the thing. Here's the thing. If it, if we want to be honest, though, it, we we talked about USC. We talked about Washington. You know, Miami has all the tools to to yeah, become a, a powerhouse. Right. It's a lot harder when you're going up against Jimbo at A and M, and obviously Saban at Bama. But I don't. I don't think. Lane is is willing to give up. I think Lane wants to compete in that division. Yeah, if I'm, if I I'm think Lane, he's got that chip. Right. If I'm Lane Kiffin, I'm. I don't think I would leave except like I just wait for an NFL job. Eventually, I'd I either wait for Nick Saban to retire or I'd just take an NFL job. Like, why go to another college program? They love him down at Ole Miss. He can go nine and three every year. Like, I I feel like he. I wouldn't be surprised if the next job he takes is in the NFL. I don't know. I like, I don't know. Why I, go to Miami? Right, right. Well, yeah, that's 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 the big question. I think <laughs> that's what everybody is at. There, I cannot believe that it's so shocking to me that Devin Shapiro made the headline. It's it's such great content. Thank you, Nevin Shapiro, for your service. For anybody to podcast who... creator, independent podcast creators across the college football landscape, we appreciate you uh, at noon on Saturday underscore. If you want to reach out and, and join us here on the pod, we'd love to talk to you. For for those who do not know who Nevin Shapiro is, yeah, please history lesson with uh, Steve. Class is in session. Um. Hey, I'll I'm tell you devil. this, his Wikipedia reads, Nevin Shapiro is a convicted felon. <laughs> right. So. right. Basically, he was funneling money in, into the University of Miami football program. Allegedly. Um, no, he's he's convicted. Never mind. Never mind. I take the allegedly back. Yep. Uh, millions of dollars. Um, and so now he is coming out and claiming that... Miami is going to hire Lane Kiffin. So uh, for him, such a reputable source, such a clean record to come out and say that. So I have a question for, for our numbers guy here, right? He was running a Ponzi scheme and all the Ponzi scheme benefits, like instead of Madoffing it where he was just taking the money for himself, he was just taking the money from the Ponzi scheme and giving it to Miami. I believe. With like obviously some cuts for himself. Right. But that's basically the idea. Right. Okay. So just a great, a great, a great human overall. Definitely, Uh, definitely the guy you want on your college football search command. I kind of like Miami minus eight this week. Speaking of Miami. They're they're playing another team we've been talking about in Virginia Tech, but what what a great transition. Right into it. Miami, not a, Virginia it's Tech. not a pick, not, not a, a pick, pick, but I like Miami minus eight. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll get this out of the way now. Uh, I'm just gonna stick to the Gruden rule, and in, in both situations this week, and see how that goes. So that'd so be taking Virginia Tech be, and Washington. Correct. One, one underdog and one favorite. Washington's a six and a half point favorite. Virginia Tech's an eight point dog. And oddly enough, I feel less good about Washington than I do Virginia Tech. 
I, 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 think, I, I think in this case, though, I hate the fact that they, they, they kept uh, Cornelson. Is that his name? The OC at Virginia Tech. Yeah, he, he is very bad at his job. Um, so that is, is, is a bit, you know, frustrating if, if you're a Virginia Tech fan. But, you know, Washington's offense is so void of points that going into anywhere, regardless if it's Colorado's home field and, and putting up enough points to cover, it's only six and a half, right? Yep. Yeah. You don't feel great about it. But you're doing it. We're, we're doing it for, for the Gruden rule, you know? I'm a man of science. You have to apply it. I'm not going to pick and for choose, the, for the even though I might have already. We're gonna we're for science sake, we're going we're going watched in my six and a half and then the Hokies down in Miami. My my one concern with that is you're worried about Washington scoring points. I'm worried about Virginia Tech scoring points with how good that Miami offense the last few weeks. Sure. Yeah. I think for this to work, you'd have to have the Virginia Tech team feel just like a massive burden was lift, lifted off their shoulders and just feel free to kind of go out there and play football. Just got to play loose. Right. Manny Diaz borderline coaching for his job, though. Like, I yeah. could see that locker room absolutely rallying behind him and putting on a hell of a performance. There's, there's weird things going down in Miami, though, right now. I mean, Manny, D- Manny Diaz might already be cooked. But- yeah. And I think that locker room might be might I mean, be the AD oh. is gone. AD's gone. There was and, a th- and they have his replacement lined up in Nevin Shapiro. <laughs> 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 um, there, I thought I saw somewhere that Miami players were going to record an interview of themselves. They yeah, they were yeah. having a meeting. Wasn't there like a a, a two and a half hour like, taping? Right. Miami players. Was it X or was it current? I thought it was X. Okay. Well, never mind then. I thought it was current. But my point <laughs> is, why listen to that when you can listen to an hour and a half of noon on Saturday week right here on right. Spotify, Anchor, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the noon on Saturday show. Why? Why would you do? Why would you do a promo? You know what? Never mind. Why would you do a promo for your own podcast in the middle of a podcast that they're clearly already listening to? Come on, Ben. Sorry. Um, this is why we let you handle the big stuff. Uh, to keep them on our toes. Love it. No, I like it. I like the move. Um, I don't know. I think there's weird things going on in Miami. It's the Gruen rule. I'm a man of science. That's if, if you want more justification. Go out and find it yourselves because that's all I'm going to provide. All right. I uh, can't argue with that. That's for sure. Um, I, uh, I have one pick in the ACC. Official on the card pick. And okay. That is Syracuse plus 11 and a half. Um, I was thinking about that. I, I don't hate that pick whatsoever. Syracuse is coming off their worst performance of the year. I think they're going to bounce back uh, after getting blown out by Louisville. 
I've been fading NC State all year to mixed results, but I, I, I just don't love NC State's – Leary has played well, but they don't have a run game. They don't really have dynamic weapons. Their, different, their defense is so-so. We saw Wake Forest you know, go up and down the field on them last week. So I'm going to take the 11.5 points and hope that Syracuse's offense can get enough going, maybe a couple – uh, short field situations. I'm I'm depending on Leary to not play up to the standard that he has played this season, but I I think Syracuse can bounce back, and I'm going to take 11 and a half points. Sure, well, I, I I think uh, you know Syracuse's defensive line is 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 above average, and I think if they're able to get after the quarterback, then. I think that is a very, very real chance of, of, of hitting because you mentioned it. NC State does not currently have a balanced attack. They're relying solely on Leary to get the job done. And if Syracuse is in his face all day long, you're, there's no guarantees he's going to be able to move the ball down the field. Um, and, and, I, and, and I think you can expect Sean Tucker to do his thing. Um, at, at the very least, grind out clock. I think eleven and a half points is 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 a lot. I think I like the call. Let Let's not forget too that before getting blown out by Louisville, Syracuse beat Boston College. They beat Virginia Tech, and then they had three point losses to Clemson and Wake. So I think I think Syracuse is a better team than that Louisville performance. Right. Cunningham's a great quarterback. He's been really good this year. He's very mobile. Right. He makes a ton of plays. Uh, I don't is... think Leary is nearly as good of a player. Yeah. Um, I've got a late add to the card here. Been Love inspired it. by all the ACC talk. I came in with a pretty, uh, pretty thick card, and we're going to make it a little bit thicker here. Uh, Boston College minus one and a half at home, uh, hosting Florida State at a nooner. Um, I was hoping the weather would be a little bit more friendly, but it will be right around uh, 38 degrees at kickoff in Chestnut Hill. I like that. Florida State going north. Mike Norvell kind of hitting hitting the ground running a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Florida State technically could make a bowl if they win out, but Florida game looking winnable. Uh, but I think Boston College uh, gets the win at home this week. Zay that- Flowers, Zay Flowers, and Jerkovic are gonna are gonna pick up where they had left off last season. Uh, Phil looking better coming back from injury. I think this is his third week back now. Uh, I'm I'm looking for that offense to pick it up. Their defense has been great. Your bowl game comment just reminded me that Syracuse is they're five and five. They're all oh five yeah. For a bowl game. I, I was I was also going to add to your uh, Dino Baber is another guy probably coaching for his job. They need a win. They need to make a bowl. NC State also very banged up. Wanted to say that, but I do like the Boston College pick. Uh, they their offense looked. Really good against Georgia yeah. Tech. Shockingly. But welcome, um, welcome back, Mr. Phil Dracovic. He only completed yeah. 13 passes. But really? 13 completions for 310 yards. Goodness. So Georgia Tech, got to work on Close. doing up the big play. <laughs> um, one, more, one more comment. This is entirely unrelated. Or the picks we've just went through, but your bowl game – uh note made me think of it so maryland and rutgers play 
Michigan and Penn State respectively this week. If both of those teams lose, as is expected, I think, obviously, in those two matchups, that is both of those teams' quote-unquote rivalry week matchup in week 12 of the college football season. And both of those teams would be at five and six playing for a potential bowl game between Greg Schiano and Mike Loxley. Something to keep an eye on as we head down the stretch of this college football season. Classic Big Ten rivalry of Rutgers and Maryland. I went, so little little fun fact, I went to this game. Um, as some people may know, I have a somewhat deranged Rutgers affiliation, mm-hmm. um, deep-rooted childhood trauma, et cetera, et cetera. But I actually went to a Rutgers-Maryland game, I want to say in like 2015, 2016. And Rutgers was down 28 in the second half, came back to win. And the way they sealed the win was they were up by like four, three. And they did one of those intentional holding safeties to expire the clock and hold on to the win because obviously they were leading more than two. Um, so, yeah, so that that sticks with me as a memory of Rutgers, Maryland storied rivalry. Was that the Ash era? No, I, I want to say that was era. I want to <laughs> say that was I want to say that was Kyle Flood, current uh, Texas offensive line coach. If you want to know anything about, it. Well, yeah, not great. Want to hey, and ever since that game, you've been under the the old spell of college football and all of its beauty. What a sport! Love it, Gary. Anything no in the uh, ACC, Steve? Mm, not this week. I'm, I'm hyper focused on on the pit matchup, but so, you have Virginia Tech. Other than that, no. right? Well, that's the Gruden rule; it takes precedence. So it was uh, 2014, by the way. I just looked it up. 25 points back, 41 38 final. I love it. Um, uh, no, I, I I'm I'm where I'm double dipping is in actually in the Pac-12. Um. And I like UCLA minus three against USC. Not a not a Jackson Dark guy. Um, I am a Jackson Dark guy, believe it or not. But I just think UCLA's established enough um, where I think their defense will be able to to do enough to get to Jackson Dart. Um, and you, you gotta you gotta love Charbonnet. Um, I think you know if if you if you run through their record and. and you can't really do this, but you look at the games that they've played comparatively. It's a close game. Um, they they really haven't, you know, there's not much distinguishing the two. Um, I just like the way that UCLA has, has, has played this year. I like Chip Kelly um, in this instance to, to get UCLA um, over the hump here. And I, I think this would be a signature win uh, for his short tenure thus far. I, I I like UCLA here. Tough game to read. I, I I don't think there's any way I could take USC in that game. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's kind of where I reside. Um, you're you're asking for Jackson Dart to come into a rivalry game, which you know the kid's talented. There's there's no denying that, but I I don't think UCLA's defense should be underestimated. Um, 
they they have done well against against solid solid teams. Um, so I, I I think they'll do enough, and, and their offense has been consistent. So I, I I think I think they should they should win this game by more than disappointing disappointing year for UCLA. No. I'd after, say I'd after say after the so. hype coming off the LSU win, and then you know they had three opportunities to get really big wins at Arizona State, Oregon, and Utah, and they lost all three. You know, pretty handily. Oregon right. was a close loss, but uh, you know, a, a lot to be left. You know, a lot to be desired for uh, Chip Kelly this year. Right. And this was, is a bit. There is a, a weird game. feeling of expectation, especially at you know in September. In September. UCLA had had a lot of hype, um, and I guess deservedly so. They were putting up points on in an insane clip. They they beat LSU, and and Charbonnet was running all over the field. So, which in hindsight doesn't look great <laughs> with how bad LSU is. But who who could have known that? Right, LSU was a top what twenty team entering the year. For some, I believe reason. so. In the uh, quote unquote official rankings. So, what was your other Pac-12? Did you, did you name them both? Washington. Yeah. Uh, that's that's yeah. That's where I'm double dipping in that 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 conference. I know nothing about Colorado. I think I've watched less than five minutes of Colorado. My my their my offense is only their offense is impression. Pitiful. Yeah, my only impression of Colorado is from that Texas A&M, yeah, Texas A&M game in like week three. So, when when when. Did King not go down in that game, or was that after he went down? No, no, it was that game. Yeah, King went down. Calzada was just just getting his feet wet, but just no, a pop. The, the the had not yet cons- beat Alabama. The consistent thing has been that Colorado's offense is terrible. The only inconsistent thing that their defense has risen up to occasion every once in a while. Um, so maybe maybe this is a time against Washington, but I they're <laughs> against Washington's defense. It's going to be really hard for Colorado to put up points. So I will give some some reasoning to that. I uh, I think I'm going to add Colorado plus six and a half. To my <laughs> oh card. my god, Washington's <laughs> offense is just terrible. Like I I low hanging fruit six and a half points with Washington at all. And I know Colorado stinks, but I just don't want to lay six and a half points with Washington. You're taking advantage of silence. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go against the Gruden rule there. And then my other Pac-12 pick is Utah. I, I just think okay. we, we mentioned it earlier. You know, the line stinks. Oregon, number three in the nation. They should still theoretically be in line for the playoff. But I just love Utah's offense. I think Utah has been better on offense. O- Oregon relies too much on Brown to make plays, and I just think Utah ha- has a defense that you know at times ha- has been vulnerable. But I just like their offense that much that I think they're going to beat beat Oregon. So I'll lay the three. All right. Certainly an interesting game and. Great yeah. game, yeah, yeah. One pro- should be should I, be a I be think a it'll crazy be crazy atmosphere, right? I think that will definitely be on the TV uh, after getting home from pit victory. Oof. 
Not a boy. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go further west. I've got nothing. In the- but uh, I'm gonna go west before we come back east. I've got Hawaii at home plus two. Take them on the money line if you are so inclined. Colorado State going to the islands. Steve Adazio not decidedly not an island boy. Uh, Rainbow <laughs> Warriors. Boom. Oh man, that was a great line. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Colorado State, I feel like, has been sneaky, like decent this year. Have they not? I have no idea. The the one the one game I watched them, I was betting on Utah State, and it was that funky game where they tried to like rush the field goal kicker on there, and it didn't work out. You know. I... I think I'm about Utah... to just tell you for for that Steven Ozio line. I'm adding, I'm adding <laughs> it to the card. That's 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 deserving of a ten. Hawaii money line. Steven Ozio is not an island boy. You know, I was thinking about that game as well. If you're on it, I'm on it because I was leaning that way. Anyways, we'll add that one. Love it. We're all island boys. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, it's an island pile on, not an island chase. Late Saturday night. Wow, unbelievable. Um, what coming back to the mainland? We going? Uh, we going twelve? We Big Ten? Anything else out west you want to touch on? Who's San Diego State play this week? I'm curious. San Diego State has a Friday nighter at UNLV. Only laying Ooh. ten and a half against the two and an eight two and eight UNLV team. Kind of curious. UNLV stinks. I but do have a San pick Diego on State, Friday night. San Diego State can't score. So I do have a pick on Friday night if we want to get I, I have Memphis plus eight and a half. Ooh. Ooh. Against the Cougs. Big game in the American. Top twenty five th- Cougs. I think I think Memphis they play teams pretty close consistently all year long. There's some bad losses sprinkled in there, but I feel like this is a pretty pretty good spot to catch Houston, um, considering who they who they play next week. So um, I don't know. I I I like I like Memphis in this spot. Um, they've gone against gone up against some really good teams this year and, and played well. I think they're able to keep it within a touchdown. Um, don't think that they obviously don't think that they win this, but I think they keep it close. Love that. Touching touching back on the San Diego State game, not a pick. Intrigued by under forty. San Diego, they have they have no offense. Matareza is the best player in the country. I'm on that train now, and I just don't think UNLV is going to score Brady Hoax defense. Not a pick, but under 41. Okay. Um, I'll just I'll just go to the Big 12 then. I've got two picks here. I'm gonna start with this is either a pick'em or plus one. It's kind of similar to Oregon, but also not. I don't understand how Baylor is not favored at Kansas State. I understand Kansas State has had a good season. They've had a couple good wins. But Baylor's coming off probably the biggest win of the season in that conference. If you don't count Oklahoma's own win 
over Texas, which, you know, in hindsight doesn't look that impressive. Uh, but but I'm going to take Baylor money line. I guess it's a pick em, plus one, whatever it is. I, I'm going to take – we were talking about him before. I'm rolling. I think I took Baylor last week. That was a winner. Take him again, uh, again this week at Kansas State. Bold. It's a sneaky line. Yeah, it is. It's a I, shitty line. It's a shitty line, but it, it it's I don't know. It's a top ten team on the road. They have stuff to play for. Kansas State is just kind of there. I trust Baylor's defense against Deuce Vaughn. It's weird because I bet on both of these teams last week and they both won for me. So it feels kind of wrong, but I'm sticking with it. Two teams that are playing some of their best ball at right. the Right. That's that's kind of what I was going to add. I think that's the reason why the spread the, the spread is what it is. I think I think Thompson uh, is really coming back from injury catching stride now and I think he's complimenting Deuce Vaughn so well that their their offense you know does pose a, a different type of threat, not really a big play threat, but just a methodical they're able to 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 consistently move move the ball and I think you get Baylor in a letdown spot, and that that could be a recipe for disaster for the Bears. But I I wanted to say it last week, and you just said it again. I don't think a name has been said more outside of Kenny Pickett on this podcast. Thompson, no Deuce Vaughn. I love I love, I love Deuce, Deuce Vaughn. Phoebe has mentioned Deuce Vaughn like no joke five or six times on this podcast. He's a solid back. Man. <laughs> you just hear Kansas State, and your brain just goes to Deuce Vaughn, which hey, he's a great player. He's get, he's about to hit the thousand yard mark for this season. So good for him. I don't know. That just seems stinky to me. I feel but like also, Kansas State. That environment will be rocking in Kansas State. It will. Yeah, uh, little Manhattan. The other the other Big Twelve pick I have is Oklahoma State at Texas Tech. Another road team minus ten. Speaking of a trap game, Texas Tech, bowl eligible off a huge win over Iowa State, but about to get utterly demoralized by a very good Oklahoma State team. Don't hate that. I don't hate that whatsoever. Yeah. I, I mean, Texas Tech is a hard team to get a read on, man. Best, really, best truly. story. Best story to come out of that Texas Tech win last week. I didn't see the play, but apparently there was some interception overturned in favor of Iowa or Iowa State. And uh, Texas Tech's radio broadcasters, who had a fantastic call of the 62-yard game-winning field goal, have been suspended by the Big 12 for utterly shitting on the officials in that game. Basically, like, naming each one of them individually. Uh, And so, yeah. Cow, this that. game, so uh, keep in mind the impact that will play on the the football action. And didn't they win? They won the yeah. game, right? Yeah, yes. they won. So this is just like over the course of the game, they they were that mad about it. Yeah, I think there was. I'm I'm looking at the ESPN article. Um, ba 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 ba. After officials overturned, this is from Dave Wilson. ESPN. After officials overturned an apparent interception on the goal line uh, by Texas Tech with 7.25 left in the fourth quarter, 
The tech announcers were apoplectic. What a great word. Quote, I'll say it right now. The Big 12 does not want Iowa State to lose this game, unquote, said uh, John Harris, oh, the analyst for Texas Tech Radio Network. I love me a good Homer announcer as much as anyone, but come on. Are we really going to well, do the line that they want from, Iowa State From to the win? pictures and some of the tweets embedded here, apparently they might have been right about just the general inexcusability of this call. But uh, yeah, you you make a you make a. F- I'll text I'll text you the article. But yeah, anyways, Oklahoma State spread. All right, yeah, I don't have any picks in the Big Twelve, which I've been on the Big Twelve heavy this year, but nothing caught my eye. I feel like week. I feel like the Big Twelve. I I'll do the math when I run out of other things to distract myself with. I feel like the Big 12 is probably our most bet conference. I'd love to see the stats on that once I'm you you might be the time to go through and do that. That's like it's 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 what the Big 12 is best for. You're not gonna get great football, you're not gonna get the peak programs, right? But you're gonna get entertaining games, you're gonna get good lines to bet on. It also doesn't hurt that like the, the those top five teams in the Big Twelve this year, I feel like are all very equal. There's five right, yeah. like very quality teams, and then you have Texas Tech, Texas, and West Virginia, who you know even TCU has put up a little bit of a fight this year. So the, the, there's teams that can win on any day. By the way, Kansas season over one and a half. I wow. got very concerned for you when you tweeted that out. <laughs> so, so yeah, so so full story here. I forget whether I gave the full explanation in our group chat, but as many of you devoted listeners to this podcast will know, in our futures episode at the beginning of the season, I had the Kansas season over wins one and a half. At some point during the third quarter of the Texas A&M Ole Miss game, ESPN showed a studio update that showed the Kansas-Texas score as final in favor of the Kansas Jayhawks. At that point, not checking the score on my phone, I tweeted, Kansas, season over, one and a half, and a bunch of cash and check emojis. I later found out pretty quickly, not through Twitter, but through my own fruition, that that game indeed was not over and probably very early in the As you know, it went to overtime. Lance Leipold hung his nuts on the Texas Longhorns, went for two in the first overtime, and won anyways. No harm, no foul. Brilliant. What a day. What a day. That was also just a a great gambling day for me. That's We're, We're on a little bit of a high right now. College basketball has been quite kind. So mentioning Texas and bringing up the, the, the bowl game factor, we have Texas and West Virginia um, at Morgantown, both teams four and six fighting for a bowl game. Did not I, – I, I don't have a pick here, though I might lean – I would lean Texas. Did not see this coming from, from Texas this year to be fighting for a bowl game. In Morgantown, come week eleven. Yeah, it's really oh. not great. So, I yeah, I don't know if anybody saw that line. 
West Virginia favored. I don't know. West Virginia gets Kansas next week, too. So if they win, they probably make a bowl. Wow. 100%. I'd, I'd hey. say I have West Virginia in that game. with Just with, you know, the direction that both teams have been going this season, Texas just seems like they're kind of done. Yeah, you, you do. Have, you have a point. West Virginia, Kansas. West Virginia playing for a bowl. That would be fun. That would be fun. That 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 fullback who caught the game winning tight end last week was literally built like me. Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand how that kid's a D one power five football player. He's a walk on. Credit for him. That was that was that was that was really awesome. That was that for Great. everyone. I mean, I think most people. I mean, not that Texas is like a villainous program, really, but. I, a lot it's, of people, I think, enjoy seeing them lose. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, you got anything else on the card? Get to. I have uh, yeah, I have one pick. I have South Carolina, um, plus seven and a half. Who are they Auburn. Playing? Auburn. They're playing Auburn. It's at wow. South Carolina. Bo Nix is done for the year. Yeah, that's, oh, that's yeah. Tough. I I just don't like TJ Finley at all. Um, you know, he, he, he has a big arm and he's had chances previously in his career. He had some chances at LSU and I, I just think South Carolina, um, ha- has been playing better on their offense is still bad, but they've been playing a little bit better on offense. And I, I just think if you're going to give me seven and a half with a, a backup quarterback who I don't think is very good, I, I'm going to take that. Yeah, I like that. I'm still a little disappointed by uh, Gamecocks not pulling it out over Mizzou last week. That was a tough loss. Um, I've got one pick in the SEC, and then I've got one more in the Big Ten just to get to quickly. Uh, Tennessee, over 62. They play South Alabama. That is the Bover of the week. Over 62, Tennessee, South Alabama, because Tennessee is going to score all 62 of those points. Wow. South Alabama is not good. <laughs> I, might, I might have to look into Tennessee spread there. Minus 28, by the way. That's a lot of points, but South Alabama. I mean, are, Tennessee Tennessee is going to be up 28 nothing. Right. They might yeah, be up they might be up they might be up 28 nothing after the first 10 minutes of this football. Wow. I mean, we've seen how quick they can go. Hendon Hooker is probably not going to play the second half. So Joe Milton's just going to be in there airing it out because the third guy, uh, one with the super white name, has already entered the transfer portal, I believe. So Joe Milton's just going to have the chance to air it out with that cannon of his. And against South Alabama, it's going to be a little bit easier. I love it. I love the pick. That's it's not a pick for me, but I do love the over. Uh, that, that's I just don't know how good South South Alabama scored seven points against App, App State, so I, I feel like you kind of are relying on Tennessee to put up a fifty burger, but probably will happen. Yeah, yeah I'd say it. I have I have faith. Also, they're they're another team. I mean, shit, they scored seventeen on Georgia. That's basically hundred any other team, right? I I don't think. We, has was there another team that scored two touchdowns on Georgia all year? 
I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, I oh I also I don't know how I didn't get to this. Do we do any Big Ten picks? I have I have one in the Big Ten. Okay, yeah, I have I one more that I didn't get to week somehow. I uh, I'm taking Purdue minus eleven. I've been fading Northwestern a lot this season. Northwestern is really bad, and I think Purdue. We, we've seen some teams have trouble guarding Bell this season, and I think this weekend will be no different. Purdue will bounce back after you know getting throttled by one of the best teams in the country, and I, I think they're going to cover eleven. It is on the road, but I think they'll cover eleven. Okay, I like that. What what was the uh, final spread? For 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 the Purdue Ohio State game, I believe it was nineteen, and that's where the Michigan State game, yeah, Michigan State spread is. I wanted to take Michigan State in that, but I just couldn't do it. Yeah, I don't want to be the guy holding the Michigan State ticket when they're down forty-two to thirteen. Yeah, that that one's that one's tough. Um. By the way, I looked it up. Georgia, before allowing 17 to Tennessee, they'd allowed 13 twice as their previous season high to Kentucky and South Carolina. Kentucky is the only team before Tennessee who have scored multiple touchdowns. They had an extra point. Wow. There's your stat of the week. Um. Last pick to wrap it up for me, Nebraska, plus nine and a half, Wisconsin. Scott Frost doesn't lose by more than a touchdown. That's interesting. Yeah, if that was at home, I don't – obviously, I don't think the line would be what it would, but I'd be more comfortable. I do believe, though, I was talking to you about this pre-show, I think Nebraska is going to take one of, of the next two, either it being this week against Wisconsin – or next against Iowa, but that's that's a tight race, um, yeah. In the Big Ten West, and and whoever flinches first loses. Yep. So, yeah, th- this will be an interesting game, and I, Nebraska's due. They're, they've been due all season. They, they've been due all season. Good team. It's on the road, sure, but nine and a half is a to cover. And I just I I don't know if Nebraska pulls out the win. I just think I'm I'm confident in the cover. This game, I'm not that gonna has... watch any of it because it's going to be a miserable football game to watch. But I'm definitely going to follow it. I'm definitely going to track it. Yeah, I was just going to say that has big time, really bad football potential. Like that, that I mean, the the four the over under is only forty two, and Wisconsin's favored by ten. So I feel like that could be like a twenty to three type game. But I do like Martinez enough to where, I mean, that is a lot of points. But Wisconsin has just been, play, been playing better lately, which scared me off of that. Wisconsin's won four, or I'm sorry, Wisconsin has won six in a row. Wow. Started out a little bit slow. They were one and three to start, and they, they've rattled off six in a row. All right, is that it for picks? I'm I'm... My clip is emptied. I'm tapped out. Same here. I was. I came into. I think I came into the with like two picks, and somehow ended up with six. So, should be an interesting week. Par for the course.
it is going to be a much more than interesting week for pit football. It is going to be a massive week. We have talked all season long as we slide into the Homer on the noon on Saturday podcast. We have talked all season long about how each win for the Panthers sets up the biggest game of Pat Narduzzi's coaching career. But this one, this Saturday at 3.30, hosting the Virginia Cavaliers is truly, undoubtedly, undisputedly, the biggest game in recent history for Pitt football and the coaching career of Patrick Narduzzi. Gentlemen, thoughts. My first thought was I cannot believe that Pitt is laying two touchdowns. Yes, Armstrong might not play. Yes, Virginia's defense is terrible. But two touchdowns, for some reason, that makes me more nervous than if they were like an eight-point favorite. No, I, I agree. That's a huge line. That is such a huge line. Um, I, I think that's that's, you know, what happened last week in, in the first half, well, in, in, even in the second half too, was was Pitt dominated North Carolina, um, and then they either they ran out of gas or I don't know what, um, but they were not able to move the ball, and I think they that Vegas is expecting the same thing from the defense against Virginia, but I I don't think that line of thinking translates, you know, terribly well. I think they're. Their offenses are, are not similar enough. I think if Brennan Armstrong were to play, they get the ball out fast. They're running quick routes. Yeah, Virginia gives up a lot of sacks, but um, he does well against the blitz. So that that spread just does it's it just it has to be the fact that Vegas thinks Armstrong is not going to play. Um, so if you had to say right now, would you would you bet that he plays or that he doesn't? That's tough. Because Narduzzi seems to think he's going to play. I think he is, too. I think that's he is. Cause, that's because Narduzzi's approach is, what would I do if I were Bronco Mendenhall? And what Pat Narduzzi would do is be incredibly cagey with the media all week, give nothing away, and then run a 75% Brendan Armstrong out there to get absolutely pulverized. And, oh. and Virginia's offense has given up their offensive line has given up a lot of QB hits this year. Armstrong has the ball in his hands a lot. Pitt has been knocking out quarterbacks left and right. The recipe, even if he does play, you know, it seems to be there that he will not finish the game. Like Virginia's offensive line is not very good. Pitt once again is up there for leading the country in sacks. So here's, here's the stat and it comes from Johnny McGonagall of the post-gazette. Virginia's 30 sacks is third 30 sacks allowed is the third worst number among Power 5 programs. The two teams that have allowed Tennessee and North Carolina Pitt had both against both of those teams in wins five sacks in each. Joe Milton was out of the game with an injury. Sam Howell was pretty bruised up. You know, look, Brennan Armstrong tough spot. Especially when you consider that he's out with broken ribs, he is not gonna want to get hit, right? And then when when you couple that with the fact that their Virginia's defense 
not only is it bad, but they generate no pass rush whatsoever. And when Pickett has had a clean pocket this year, he has been legitimately one of the best players in college football. Right. So I guess all the all the uh, factors are there for Pitt to have a big win. I just I don't know why. My I cannot believe it. Yeah, it's it's tough. Well, I mean, I think you know the, the Miami game has has reset expectations, and I think a lot of Pitt fans reverted back to a really you know damaged mindset, um, and especially. And it's not like the Duke win. The Duke win was convincing, but it wasn't without its hardship. And obviously, what we witnessed last week was terrifying in the second half. So I, I think it's hard for Pitt fans to confidently say, you know, especially with as much, you know, it, it's on the line. You know, all of it is on the line. A, a chance. And winning the ACC championship, just, yeah. So just is, just to be clear, I, we've we've talked about what's on the line. Just to be clear, perfectly crystal clear, Pitt wins the coastal if they win this game. Right. That's it. Uh, also, two other like a couple other things pointing in the right direction for Pitt are that Gabe Hoy is going to play. So the offensive line is going to be, other than Jake Cradle, the offensive line is going to be at full strength. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they found a way to get Hoy and Gonzalez on the field, you know, to have five, your five best out there. And, Hoy, and Hoy's the, played guard. Yeah, Hoy's right. played a lot of guard in his career. And then the other thing that just going from last week's game that has given me a lot of confidence is how the DBs play. Like Eric Hallett played his best game right. of the season last week. M- Mathis is getting better week after week. Um, a couple spots where Pitt had been deficient at times. Like, look at tight end. Lucas Kroll finally had a, a big game. I mean, he still had a drop or two, but he really stepped up, had some big catches. I, I just think Pitt, Pitt is playing some of their best football, and Vir- Virginia's not. Virginia has really been scuffling. Yeah, it was non-conference games, but they really didn't have a chance in either of those games. They, I mean, they didn't have a chance against BYU until Armstrong, Armstrong went out. Right, yeah. Armstrong is definitely the X factor, but that line just tells me something, man. It, it think I think uh, I think it might be an easy dub. I don't, I don't want to believe it, but that line just tells me to take Pitt. Right. That line tells me it's going to be forty-five to twenty-one. Right. Right. And I, I think, I think if, and and you meant like. I think the talent, or not the talent, but the, but the matchup for the secondary this this week is just going to be dramatically different. You know, what Virginia has has you know they have their football players, which are basically quarterbacks who play all around the field, and obviously their number one is Keaton Thompson. And what what they might lack in speed, they make up for in size. So that is just going to be such an interesting matchup for, for Pitt's DBs. But if they're able to play as well as they have and, and be consistent, combined with the pass rush that, that it seems has, has improved as the year has gone on, it's, it's going to be hard for, for – if Armstrong is completely healthy, I, I don't think it's going to be that easy for him to, to get you know the ball into his receiver's hands. Couple that with – this is this is Kenny Pickett's final game. 
at Heinz Field in a pit uniform, I think the offense is going to be ready to go. I mean, that, they that's have definitely to be. a great point. Pickett, Pickett is going to be firing on all cylinders. I mean, the attention, he, he's been on some interviews this week, but I, I feel like at the end of the day, like everybody is aware of what's at stake in, in, in the magnitude of this game. Um, and it I, should be a good environment. Heinz Field, I mean, it's not going to be sold out. It's not going to look pretty on, on the TV, but there's going to be like 45,000 people there that are cheering really long, really hard for Pitt. Right. So what was, what really was all the number? Know. What did we say the number was for Clemson? Clemson, it was like low 50s, I think, wasn't it? For yeah, attendance? Scroll way back in the text. Yeah, I, I, I know that. It was like it's low forties for UNC, I think. Yeah the the the, uh, other point, no. the other point I wanted to make just it was again, attendance uh, attendance according to to uh, ESPN was around sixty for Clemson. Yeah, I think I think I said like for Clemson nine thousand. Yes, I, I would put it right around fifty. I think the the start of Thanksgiving break for students might hurt a little bit, but I think people are going to want to be there for this game. I wish I could be there. I will put that out there. I very much wish I could. I think it'll, I mean, the crowd for Miami and UNC, it got loud. Yeah. There, there was the people who were there who were, were into it. And I think Saturday will be their second best environment that they've had this year behind Clemson. I would think that Pitt fans are going to show up. Right. No, I agree. I agree. Deshaun Camp playing as well. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. Panthers getting a little bit healthy at the right time. I I would love um to to have Cradle back, but obviously that's not gonna happen. They're gonna have to figure that out because after after he went out, and who knows if it was because of him specifically, but after he went out, the offense did well, not look nearly as good. Uh he I went out early. early. He went out on the second play of the game. Yeah. Oh, he did? Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, I'm wrong. I, th- I thought he went out in the second quarter. I don't know. I don't know what to pinpoint what wrong for Pitt in the second half. But it, it's clear that week to week, there's still things for the coaches to work on. But overall, yeah. It's a really great game to see them win, just considering how sloppy it was, how inevitable that North Carolina um, comeback almost felt. And it just it, it felt good to see them be able to hold. I'll put it as, as simply as. Absolutely. Massive, massive, massive W. That was. Right. Narduzzi needed that one and he got it. Doesn't matter. That it took overtime. A win is a win is a win, and that that was. I mean, they set the stage to we win this week and we're in. So, right, it's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no starting slow. There's there's no you know, you know, there's no room to be lethargic this week. It's it's from the word go. So it'll be interesting to see how how the team. Goes up, I you and, and yeah. I, I guess I'm recycling the point. You you have to assume that the atmosphere is going to be there. Um, 
and this and this this stage will be set three thirty. You really can't ask for anything more. Best, another best game time. another point towards taking Pitt minus the points is that I would not be surprised to see them try to get a massive game for Pickett. Like this is his last. They're, they're going to run it up. Yeah, this is his last push. Not his last push, but this is a big time showcase to push him into the the Heisman ceremony in New York City. And obviously, we know Virginia is is gives up a lot of points. So I could see Pitt. I could see Pitt getting into the fifties on Saturday. Would love it. It is. It's. It's certainly going to be something. It's a huge spot. It's a huge game and a huge opportunity for this team to uh, really deliver on on what was pretty much the stated goal since the outset of this season, despite the ups and downs, and get to the ACC championship game and have the plans to uh, have the chance to to play for a true conference championship. They've put themselves, you know, despite some struggles here and there, they've put themselves in a great position to do so by uh, by winning this week. Right, right. And I, from the beginning, they, they, the goal was to win a championship. Um, and, and obviously, this is, this is the game to, to show it. Um, it's a game to do it in. Right. Um, and I, this, uh, you, look at, you look up and down the coastal, and, and I'm so confident in saying this is by far the best team um, on, on both sides of the ball. Um, so it's, it's de- they're definitely deserving. Um, there's no question about that. They've really handled their business as well as we've seen a pet team do under Narduzzi in really over a decade. So you you really you really not only as a pit fan do you want them to win, but as as college football fans, you want a team who has worked hard as as Pitt has to to clinch here and, and get a great opportunity at the ACC championship. Final thoughts on this week's matchup and on this week in college football in general before we uh, wrap things up here on this episode of the New Saturday podcast. I think we pretty much said it all. I uh, wouldn't be surprised. We had Oklahoma lose last week. Wouldn't be surprised to, have, to see another surprise team in, in the top 10 go down this week. I mean, we're, we're going to have two teams. Well, at least one team in the top 10 lose because there's a top 10 matchup. Right. And then another one is an underdog with Oregon. Right. So I, uh, I would, I would expect some, some chaos this week. Maybe who knows? Maybe Arkansas plays Bama tight. Yeah. That would be fun. It's always a possibility. It's all, it's all, it's all been fun. It's all been fun. Should be another great week of college football. And of course, we will be right back here next week on the new non-Saturday podcast to break it all down again for Steve and Manj. I've been Ben. Thanks for tuning in. As always, don't forget to leave that like, hit that subscribe. Make sure to check back regularly for new episodes. Tell your friends. Hit us up on Twitter at noon on Saturday underscore. That will do it for this edition of the Noon on Saturday show, college football as it was meant to be.